Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. That's right. This is the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. This is episode 34, and yes, I'm your host, Jason A. Meiske. You know, I tell you what, it doesn't matter how many times I do this, the beginning always just, it, you know, it, it just has that little bit of awkwardness. Hopefully, I don't sound like such an idiot. <laughs> hey, uh, last week's show, though, oh my gosh, we had a lot of commotion, a lot of comments uh, came in from last week because of my little co-host that was with me. Uh, yeah, if you if you heard last week's show, then you heard my little granddaughter, Skyly who, through circumstances, ended up with me at the beginning of the show doing my comment, my little greeting, just as I'm doing to you right now. And she was here to say hello, everyone, <laughs> and uh, you know, greet our guest. And, oh my gosh, it got such such a welcome reception. She got, my, my granddaughter has gotten a, a little bit of fan mail. People saying that uh, she's doing a great job and uh, maybe my job's at risk. So, oh boy. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that. Normally, I record this late in the evenings, but that week, uh, last week, I was not. So now I'm back to recording late in the evening again. And, and I'm sorry, everybody, but she is in bed. So, <laughs> yeah. But we'll see what happens. Maybe uh, maybe down the road, Skyly will be with me again. And I'll make sure and put it in the in the show notes the, so well, you know when she's with me or not. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what's going on. But this week, since she is not with me, and I am alone in the studio, and like I said, it's late at night, I'm sitting down with a very nice drink, and I have a Rocky Patel 1990 cigar. I, you know, this is one of my vices, this is one of my real enjoyments, and it's also a little nod to today's guest, which you're going to get that here in just a little bit. Now, you know, plus it's it's been a good day for me. I've been having some really good writing going on lately. Uh, I finally figured out an issue I was having with my current story. And uh, the rhythm's been coming along really nice. So, you know, it's nice to just take a moment and uh, celebrate that I'm finally getting some rhythm and uh, the story's coming along nicely. And I can't wait to, you know, hopefully knock this thing out uh, sooner than later. Now, if you are a writer and you are working really hard, say this is your first book, um, maybe you're somebody who's written a bunch of books and you know you're you're in the middle of another one, you're trying to find the right way to, you know, something to say. It's just escaping you. You got a little bit of a little bit of block going, maybe or something. Don't stop. Just keep going. Keep pushing through it. And and you new writers out there, don't give up. You know, it's I've told my story before. It took me years to finish my first book i do not want to do that again but you know i mean hey you know look at uh, game of thrones i mean he's taking years to write books and uh, he's making millions off of it now you know maybe there's maybe there's something to taking your time in writing <laughs> we'll see what happens but for those of you who have written and you've got a book all done reach out to me you know if you want to be on the show i would be more than happy to have you on We'll have a conversation, and then you can read a chapter from your book. Uh, the only caveat I have is, for all of you who've been following every week, you know the book must be published. That's right. The, every chapter that you hear on this show is from a published book 
so you can go right out pick up a copy of it and be reading it we're oh my gosh two-thirds of the way through the year 30 some episodes 34 episodes now i've got a couple more episodes recorded already so man this thing is just uh, going well and i i want to take a moment and just thank all of you out there who come back every week and like the show and you subscribe so that you, you don't miss an episode uh thank you so much i, I really really am humbled and just so pleased that the show means something to you it, it means a lot to me that uh, there's people out there who have found a value in this so thank you and for those of you writers out there who've been in touch with me and that have been following the show thank you as well i i hope all you writers out there i hope that you are discovering the same thing i am as the host something i did not expect which was getting to talk to these authors and then getting to hear a chapter from their book has been so inspiring it's given me so many ideas people you know somebody will say something once in their book and i'm going oh my gosh that's brilliant and that yeah that i can see how that would work for me just you know going back to everybody who's been listening thank you i hope uh, i hope to continue to make you happy if you want to reach out to me how do you do that you can email us at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. That'll come right to me. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash samplechapterpodcast, or go to our Twitter at, I I think it's chapter sample. <laughs> I don't know. If you do a search in Twitter for sample, sample chapter podcast, you're going to find me. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm still working on the Twitter thing. I'm, not uh i'm not don't have a good command of that yet but but i'm there i do have a presence and you can message me um via any of those methods and let me know that you or somebody that you know would like to be on the show and uh, we'll get them on so i do need to give a big thank you as always to our sponsor you store all of warrensburg missouri they are the premium spot for self-storage whether you are looking for climate control or non-climate control doesn't matter because their entire facility is fenced in it's gated access more than 40 cameras in place and recording 24 hours a day with more cameras getting ready to go up two brand new climate control buildings being constructed as we speak check it out online if you need storage this is the place to go so check them out it's ustorall.net that's the letter u s t o r a l l dot net I also want to thank Podcast Garden as our host site for our show and many, many other wonderful shows like ours. And if you are somebody who's interested in beginning your own podcast, don't forget that Podcast Garden is going to let you do that for the first month for free. So check it out, podcastgarden.com. All right, well, like I said, this week's guest um, you know, was perfect for my celebratory cigar today and drink for that matter. Uh, <laughs> this week I had uh, a buddy of mine, a guy that I met a couple years ago. Yes, I'm talking about crime thriller author W.L. Ripley. It was a blast getting to meet him a couple years ago. Uh, we corresponded a little bit. We found out that uh, he knows my family. Uh, we, we actually kind of go way back. So uh, he's turned into a very good friend. And I really enjoy his his you know, his friendship and his professionalism as a writer. Uh, the guy's got it down. 
He's got he's got two individual series, uh, the Cole Springer series and the White Storm series. Uh, I am in the process of trying to get my hands on a couple of his Cole Springers because uh, I have now read every one of the White Storms and I'm a huge, huge fan. You know, the guy's doing a fantastic job. When he talks, he's somebody you want to listen to. He's got great advice. He writes every day. And, uh, you know, I there's not a whole lot I can say that you're not going to hear in the in the interview today. So maybe I should go ahead and get us on over to that interview. Uh, make sure at the end of the show I'm going to have uh, links to his, his Amazon page, his book book page, his page on uh, his publisher, Brash Books. And then not to mention, man, you're going to hear one of the best, uh, one of the most descriptive chapters we may have ever had on the show. <laughs> Some of the things that he talks about, particularly at the beginning of it, uh, the way he describes it, you can smell it, you can taste it, you're going to love it. Let's get on over with W.L. Rip. Hello, everybody. This is another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Uh, today, I have the very special... Uh, chance to get to sit down with uh, someone who's become a good friend. Uh, he, he's kind of a friend of the family, almost a family member himself. Today I'm sitting down with W.L. Ripley. Rip, how you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm glad to be here, buddy. Uh, thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Uh, hey, tell us, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been uh, for years. Of course, I've got a grandfather. I've got 16 grandkids. i got six kids. Uh, I started out as a basketball coach. I coached at high school and college and... Uh, I didn't, all I did was I was gone all the time. I decided I wanted to write, so I went back into education as a high school principal. I did that for 27 years. During that time, I writ, wrote several books. Now I'm retired. That's pretty much all I'm doing is just writing. <laughs> when, when was your first book? It would be uh, Dreamsicle. That would have been about 1994, I think. Okay, and Dreamsicle, that was the original name for... Hailstorm. Hailstorm, Correct. okay, yeah, and your character Wyatt Storm, mm-hmm. so, which I'm a huge fan of. I've, I read all the Wyatt Storm books, Good. I love it, so those are a lot of fun, and it, it's having lived in Colorado and having lived in Missouri, I can, I can relate to both locations. I didn't know you lived in Colorado, I almost moved to Colorado at one point. Oh, very nice, so, well... Uh, what are your what are your inspirations like? Where do these characters come from? Well, it's inside my head. You know, I've been thinking about. I thought about Wyatt Storm way before I wrote anything about him and Cold Springer too. They kind of a divergent paths of the same uh, kind of same uh, thinking. But I've been thinking about that for years. All the people I know a lot of really offbeat people, mm-hmm. really good friends of mine, and and they were kind of inspiration. Of course, I've been a mystery reader forever. John D. McDonald who wrote the Travis McGee series, was my first inspiration to get into the mystery business. I read everything I get my hands on as a kid. Mark Twain and Hemingway are two big influences. And uh, But John D. McDonald, Robert B. Parker, and Elmore Leonard hmm. are my biggest influences. Yeah, as far as uh, Robert B. Parker goes, uh, your characters have a very... They remind me a lot of like Jesse Stone and mm-hmm. so many of his characters. And uh, it... It was uh, just happened to be over the weekend. It was a Jesse Stone marathon. It was just starting, and just as I was about to leave for work, so I was very upset. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you got iconic characters. They're very down to earth. Uh, Spencer for hire kind of 
kind of thing, and, and uh, I love it. Uh, what are your uh, What are your writing practices like? What do you do? You write every day, or is it, yes, is it... every day. Uh, I get up. I try to be. I try to be on my screen at eight o'clock in the morning and write to at least eleven o'clock every day. Sometimes it goes beyond that. Uh, I used to write much more than I used to get up uh, when I had to be in education. I get up four thirty mm-hmm. every day of the week, Saturday and Sunday, and uh, wrote before my kids got up. Mm-hmm. It was the only time I had. I just didn't have any time. Now I've got time and. I, I do. I write really all day, though. When I'm not in front of the screen, if I'm sitting on the, my deck smoking a cigar, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write next. I, mm-hmm. I write longhand. I write notes. Uh, I tried doing a, uh, you know, talking into a thing to record my thing. I hate my voice, as you're, <laughs> and so I just, you know, don't do much of that anymore. I've written in longhand. My first book I wrote on a manual typewriter <laughs> and then they wanted me to redo it I said jeez they thought I had it on a disc I said no I wrote it on a manual typewriter <laughs> so I had to do it make all the corrections rewrite the whole thing on a yeah. old school typewriter oh my gosh I remember those days uh, yeah I was not a very fast typer in, in school that was that was my chance to just sit there and fool around with stories and in typing class I'm fast I'm just terrible <laughs> I can't write two words that having to edit well uh, so you've got the the Wyatt Storm series and right. that's uh, is that five books now or it... and I'm working on the fifth one right now fifth yes. one right now okay and then your other character uh, Cole Springer uh, right. and that's got three books three books there's a trilogy for that too fantastic and I have an idea for uh, a follow up on that one I've got two new characters I've written books on where my agent is marketing them right now. Well, he's marketing one of them. I'm holding the other one back. I don't want to compete against myself. Yeah. So there is one uh, in-house at a large publisher in New York right now. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And you've, uh, I, I know from talking to you in the past, you've sold the rights, film rights a few times. Yeah, I have. Uh, it's not just, nobody has it right now. Right now. Uh, it actually was a Springer that we sold. We sold it to, uh, first Kurt Russell bought it, and then somebody's name I've forgotten, and Richard Donner. Uh, who did Lisa Weapon have oh, for yeah. a while? So, uh, Dream now they Wyatt Storm did uh, Dreamsicle did sell years ago a couple of uh, independents. Uh, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but you know Springer's Game has probably generated the most money. Okay, that would be uh, that'd be great. That'd be <laughs> really fantastic. yeah. I, you know people complain about it. My a buddy of mine, uh, Ace <laughs> Atkins, said just uh, Wonderland is going into uh, it's going to be a movie, and he said people worry about what they're going to do with it, and I said yeah. Cast a check, buy another book. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what uh, one of the things we have in common is our love of cigars. Oh yeah. Now, uh, do you have a favorite that you like? Is is it like a, a practice? Once you finish the book, then you got a certain one. Oh, well, I know. I you know I've smoked about everything. Uh, my go-to is always the Macanudos because I've ne- you never get a bad one. <laughs> I've smoked hundreds, maybe thousands of them. I maybe had two and. And 30 years that have been something wrong with them, but yeah, I've smoked about everything. I've gotten where I've gotten older, I can't smoke some of the more powerful ones, but oh, yeah. I'll smoke about anything. I like, of course, Arturo Fuente, who doesn't? I oh, like the Hemingway signature, which is, uh, <laughs> I wonder how much of that, you know, is because there's the names on it, but I do like those. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, I've had people bring me back Cubans. My daughter brought back Cubans once from England and made her nervous. And I said, no. <laughs> she thought they were going to arrest her or something. I said, no, they'll just take them from you. They're not going to do anything to you. You need to worry about that. And so, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy a good cigar. I used to, when I got a book published, I would go out and buy expensive scotch and a, and a box of cigars. Mm-hmm. Don't do that so much anymore. <laughs> I got cigars in my humidor, so I don't yeah. have to worry about it. I don't drink that much scotch anymore. <laughs> well, what uh, what's coming soon from, from Ripley? What about these new characters? Uh, these new characters, one of them is uh, Jake Morgan. He's a uh, Texas Ranger, kind of on suspension, goes back to his hometown, which is in the Midwest. And uh, he comes back to, you know, several years after graduating high school. He's a young guy. He's a young guy. He had he was estranged from his father. He comes back. His father's dead. Uh, his best friend has just been killed accidentally. Uh, he thinks he figures out that he's been murdered, and his high school girlfriend is married to his old rival. And uh, it just uh, there's a quite a mess there that he has to. He becomes almost a pariah in the community and and has to dig himself out of it. Oh wow. Yeah. And then the other one, I've got one set in Vegas with uh, uh, a guy named McBride, uh, and he's opened up a security business. He'd been a former, he'd been an MP in the Marines, and uh, he owned a business there. He's not doing well, and he has to take on a, has to take on something for the local uh, Irish mobster, and uh, it's kind of a funny, funny book. And, and in it, I introduce uh, uh, Chick Easton's nephew. Oh, okay. Trey Easton, who is who's there, and very similar. He's very similar to his uncle, except there's a few differences, but he's very similar to him. He's a little off, off kilter. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So there's a little crossover there. Yeah, a little wide. crossover. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, uh, so what? Uh, the, the, we're hearing something from White Storm today. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to read. I'm going to read from. Uh, I'm going to read from Storm Warning, which is the newest White Storm book. I am working on the fifth White Storm, and uh, right now White Storm is uh, the one I'm working on. And I have to get my mind together on this stuff because I'm so far ahead of everything. When I start thinking about one, thinking about another one, jeez, <laughs> uh, I'm going to draw a blank here. Anyway, I'm writing a new one. <laughs> Just working on it. That's what it's set. Basically, the newest one set in the in the uh, Ozark Lakes area. Okay. And uh, he and he decides he and Chip are going to go on a fishing trip to get away from everything. Well, somebody comes around in a boat and shoots at them, and that starts the problem. <laughs> and when the and then this boat's chasing this girl who is who's uncovered some things and. They turn around and shoot at Chick and Wyatt, and then she's killed, and that drags them in. Oh wow! Yeah. Where can uh, where can people find you online? Where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and W L Ripley page. You can follow me on, on Brass Books. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I'm everywhere. You can follow me. Uh, Bookbub has a nice page for me. Uh, Goodreads has a nice page for me. Uh, Amazon. You can find me everywhere. I got a page on Amazon. It's just just about any place you can find. Uh, you know, find books you can find me. Yeah, fantastic. And we'll make sure and put links to all of that in the uh, in the show notes. All right. Uh, what is uh, so? What is Storm Warning about? What's going on? Storm here? Warning is about a, a movie a movie set that's set on. See, I got to remember why Storm is kind of reclusive. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a thorough type character. He he was a celebrity. Doesn't like it, so he gets away and he has two places: one in Colorado Rockies and one in the Ozarks. He kind of gets away from things, and his buddy Chick Easton, who is really kind of 
a screwy guy, but at the same time, he's extra deadly, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's always dragging him into things. Well, he's dragged him into this. Uh, Chick Easton gets hired to be, uh, Chick Easton is hired to be a protect a bodyguard for this movie star mm. who's really an asshole. <laughs> and everybody hates this guy. Yeah. In fact, people, you know, Chick at one point says the only people that don't hate him haven't met him yet. <laughs> the Chick has to protect him. And the, the thing is, the, uh, the director wants to do it on the site of a Jesse James robbery, which happens to be Storm owns that property. Okay. He doesn't want to rent it to him, but Chick wants to, <laughs> wants to do this, so Storm lets him work. That's more guy's property. Well, yeah. this creates problems because uh, there is a death threat on the guy. So I'm going to also, during this time, at the same time, a guy is out of jail that hates White Storm because Storm ended up, him ended up being in jail in mm -hmm. prison at one point. And uh, this is an unusual, this is in a Storm uh, catalog, this is an unusual one because I do do some third-person stuff here. It's just interspersed. There's not much mm -hmm. of it. And uh, the third person speaking is a guy named Rory, and Rory's a criminal. A yeah. He used to be a button man and a torpedo and basically an enforcer for the mob. And uh, you, you'll hear more about his boss in other books in the future. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. That was fascinating how it uh, usually it's all in um, around Storm and revolves around him. It was interesting to get out of there for a moment and hear uh, Rory's point of view on uh, as he... Right, first person. All the Storm books are first person. First one, it's all Wyatt Storm. Uh, the Springer books are all uh, omniscient, third point of view. Okay. You, you see inside other people's heads. Yeah. So this was, uh, you know, I wanted to do something to give me a little more. It gives you a little more uh, ability to move around. It's hard. First person's tough. Yeah. Because everything happens, Storm has to see, Storm has to hear, he has to experience. So mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. I'm going to read from the opening of the Storm Warning. Okay. This will be, uh, this will be, you won't hear Storm in here except at the end. All right. Well, Rip, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on. Right. And uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of his way and uh, we'll, we'll hand the floor over to uh, W.L. Ripley with Wyatt Storm, Storm Warning. All right, here we go. Rory was surprised that the first thing he wanted was a beer. He would have thought it was with a woman. Long time without one. But now it was a beer. An icy long-necked Miller highlight, one of those in a clear bottle so you could see the gold color, sweat trickling down its side. Maybe a shot of Jim Beam beside it. Yeah, that'd be nice. Funny what a guy missed. Then a big bleeding steak with that Texas toast and a fat baked potato with steam rising out of it, served on a tablecloth and somebody asking if he was all right. Call him sir. Can I get you anything else, sir? Then a woman. One who smelled of soap, strawberry shampoo, soft, squeaky clean, in a big bed with a mattress more than half an inch thick, and sheets that didn't feel like something you could file your fingernails down with, clean and smooth as marble. Then find that damn football player and blow his shit away. It was a football player's life. Fault his life was in the toilet. He'd been somebody once. Nice clothes, best booze, good restaurants, caddy convertible. Cherry red diamante with leather seats that Bobby Frank, his boss, always telling him was too fucking something. What was the word used? Ostentatious. Yeah, that was it. He looked it up, and it meant pretentious display. Fucking wop, who ate with his mouth open and picked his teeth with his fingernails, all that jewelry around his neck, shirt open to navel like it was the 70s all over again, telling Rory he was ostentatious. It's a shitty car, Rory, Bobby Frank would tell him. 
you got to get a lower profile. Get a dark colored hardtop. Something nice, you know? Quit acting like he is a colored guy or something, huh? His dipshit flunkies would laugh, all of them sitting around playing peanut on drinking espresso and wine, sloshing it into water glasses. It was an Ed Sullivan trained animal act, dipshit dagos. But Ventura paid well. Roy couldn't kick about that. He even gave Roy a cut of the take on some of the collections, sometimes when he didn't even know it. Walking to some place with a persuader, nine-inch piece of cable insulation with a leather thong at one end, sticking out of his back pocket. Let him see it pushing the tail of his coat up on one side. Asked to talk with the owner, tell him what a nice place he had. No threats. Maybe drop something breakable on the floor. Even pay for it. But let him see you did it on purpose. Tell him how much you'd like to have a business like this. Wait for the guy's lower lip to start quivering on the muscle at the corner of his jaw to start bunching up. You knew the deal was done then. Then one day, this black guy on a special coffee place, for Christ's sakes, gets nervy, says he ain't paying. Not now, not ever. Now, see, that's not good business. Guy only had one leg in the first place, some kind of Vietnam vet or some shit. Everybody's a hero these days. Probably got the money to start the place on some kind of government handout to nigger gimps who'd been in the service. Can't let him get away with that. So he gets nine inches of industrial insulation across the chest, stand on his stomach, pull off the phony leg, and throw it through the glass case where the guy kept his coffee and tell him there'd be another visit real soon. Only next time, there's this big guy there. Rangy guy built like Gary Cooper or Clint Eastwood. Taller than Cooper. Bigger through the shoulders and chest than Eastwood. Shoulders like a fucking lumberjack. Just like one, too. Carrying a cut-down baseball bat, you can believe it, like he's fucking Don Mattingly or something. Hard fucking eyes. Blue-gray like car metal. And he had a mouth on him, too. Said he'd make Rory a deal. Told him, my buddy doesn't want to pay, and you don't want a proctologist to do your dental work from now on. Later, Rory found out the proctologist was an asshole doctor. Anyway, tried to sucker the guy, act like he was sorry for the trouble, or misunderstanding, you know, while he's working the leather thong around his wrist. He'd practiced that move a thousand times, and he could slip it out of his pocket faster than you could say, ouch. Men to put it upside the big guy's head. But he'd never seen anything like this big guy. Fucking hands like lightning. Hit Roy twice with the bat while he was trying to clear the persuader. Once on the point of the shoulder and the second one on the elbow. Then backhanded him twice with a free hand, kicked his legs out from under him. Then while he's lying on the floor, football player lays the bat across Roy's throat. Starts talking shit at him. Never come back, Superstar said, acting pissed off about the whole thing. Like he was going to come back anytime soon with a dislocated elbow and a broken collarbone. Hurt like a bitch. You do it, I'll change your whole life. Then the big guy lets the colored guy kick Rory in the ass with the phony leg as he's going out the door. So now, Bobby Frank's all over him. You stupid or something, said Bobby Frank. You let some off-the-street white bread asshole take you down? Kick your ass? Like he could take the guy easy. This is what Rory had put up with. But Bobby Frank hadn't seen the way a guy could move, the way his hands worked like there were two of him working him over, then picking him up. Picking up a 200-pound guy like he was a sack of sugar he's put in a cabinet, throwing him out the door. Never seen anybody so big move that fast. Then Bobby Frank and his guys, and Rory too, started getting pulled over on the interstate by the state rods, hassling them with speeding tickets, searching the car, busting Bobby Frank for open container laws 
Failure to indicate when changing lanes, touching the white line on the side of the highways. Chicken shit stuff. Bobby Frank blamed Roy for all this, too. What'd you bring down us, you stupid fuck? This football player's got cops busting my balls every time I back out of my driveway. He's friends with one of them. Did you know that? Huh? Nah, you don't know shit. They got me standing on the highway with my dick hanging out while some 30 grand a year guy in a park ranger hat's going through my ride. I gotta tell you something, Roy. Are you listening, you dumb Pollock? I ain't enjoying this shit. So Bobby Frank cut him loose. It's hard to get work. But with a cast up to his neck for two months. So he took to robbing convenience stores, shaking down pimps and prostitutes. Then he got busted when his nine fouled robbing a jewelry store. They gave him a dime jolt because he used a gun, but he only did a deuce. Before his lawyer got him, a parole for good behavior. Yard's too full, so I had to kick some guys loose. Two years inside and two broke bones. Still hurt when it turned cold. He couldn't reach behind him without effort. Fucking prisoner doctors. No more slick moves with the persuader. So now, he's out. He's going to look up the football player. Superstar, Rory called him, and whack his ass. But he wanted Superstar to see it coming. Like De Niro did to Nolte in that movie. What was the name of it? Cape something. Cape Fear. That, that's it. Bobby D was a scary bastard in that one. Better than Mitchum. Yeah, just walk up to the man, look at him, let him know he was in town. Remember me, Superstar? Smile at the guy. Eat at the same restaurants, shake him up a little, make him squirm. Then some night, when the guy wasn't looking for it, take him down. But first, a beer and something to eat, and then find Superstar. What was that asshole's name? Something to do with the weather or something. What was it? Wyatt Storm. Yeah, that was it. And there we have it. This is the end of the episode, the end of my cigar, so to speak. <laughs> yep, that was W.L. Ripley reading from his Wyatt Storm book, Storm Warning. Hey, don't forget to follow Mr. Ripley on Brash Books. Look for him on Amazon, BookBub, Facebook, you know, all the online places that you can always find authors. And don't forget, uh, you know, if, you're, if you like our show, give us a rating. Uh, iTunes ratings are fantastic. I really appreciate all of them. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that way you come back every week. Because every week it's another author, another story, and another sample chapter. Thank you for coming, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye.